You're listening to the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. In today's publishing landscape, you can reach fans all over the world. Query letters are a thing of the past. You don't even need a literary agent. There is nothing standing in the way of making a living from writing. Join two best-selling authors who have self-published more than 20 books between them. Now, on to the show with your hosts, Autumn Burt and Jasper Schmidt. Hello, I am Jasper. And I am Autumn. This is episode 137 of the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. And uh, we have a writing-related episode today as we're going to discuss how to maintain your story flow. And this one was one of your ideas, Autumn. It was. Well, actually, it came off the blog. It was a very popular post there. So I thought we should do an updated content slash podcast on maintaining your story flow, which is convenient because I, like I shared with you before we started, I've finishing up the final book of the tainted face so i wrote this oh i stopped at the end of january so you know almost six months ago now and i've realized i was missing a chapter so to (laughs) weasel one more i always oh that's like my history i will write a short book and when i get to the climax i'm always adding at least two or three chapters so but to write that that next chapter that would flow and fit into the whole story after six months it's, you know, it's a little more challenging, I think, than a lot of people realize to make sure that it kind of meshes in and sounds right. And I still have the character in my head. So those are the kind of tips we're going to look at, because it could be six months like I did. It could be a year. It could be just, I don't know, between one day and the next. And you just kind of lose that that drive that makes the story sound like one cohesive whole. And we want the, mm. you don't want to do that. You want the reader not to go, what happened there <laughs> when they're reading it? <laughs> yeah. Did the author have a bad day there or something? <laughs> <laughs> That's why that character died. I get it. <laughs> oh, no. But you already had like 150,000 words and then you added, you decided to add another chapter. <laughs> that was, um, I, I was counting that chapter. I knew how long it was going to be. So that's 150,000. And yeah, I was aiming for 90,000, but there's just so much going on and so many important storylines and when you write the final book of a series and you're pulling all those together and don't let my readers know there's kind of a few ending things that could continue on to another book because that's like i said i I swear my tombstone is going to be i'm going to have it like a designed as a book and on one side it's going to have all my my information of who i was and the other side is going to say to be continued because i will never (laughs) ever wrap up a story completely i don't think so yeah, even this one, even though it's the final book, it's not possibly the final, final book ever. But yeah, yeah. it was a lot going on. So yeah, it, it went from 90,000 to 150. And that's just the way it goes sometimes. <laughs> but that's also a good thing, you know, because if, well, in general, you know, if sales justify it, then it's always nice to have a few open ends that you can continue on. Absolutely. Or if, you know, the characters wake you up at 3 a.m. a little too often, maybe you'll continue it anyway. <laughs> Just for yourself. It is. Or I you, love the characters. Yeah. Or you regret that you didn't kill that character who keeps waking you up. <laughs> I don't know. That could be worse. Then you'll have an undead character. All right. <laughs> the necromancer haunts you at night. <laughs> that's right. You got to watch out which ones you kill off. They can come back too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so how but how have you, you been otherwise? Have you just been uh, writing and uh, 
going about all that editing stuff. Yes, that's pretty. And some book covers. I've got to, I'm trying to finish up this uh, Tainted Fae and staying out of the heat. Um, we're recording early again because we have vacation time coming up. So where we're at now in the world, it is incredibly sweltering and record-breaking temperatures and highs. And for all I know, that's going to be the next month as well. So I've been hiding from the heat and getting up extremely early so that if I want to exercise or do anything outside, it is done before 7 a.m. Because you don't want to go outside after 7 a.m. Not if you're, we've already discussed, I, I have that pro, that fly protein that the your brain unwinds at above 80 degrees and that's it for me. So <laughs> I've got to stay inside and, and, and do very small, quiet things. All right. Well, yeah. Writing time is not too bad anyway. Yeah? No, so, no. of course, if it gets too warm that you can't write, then that's a bit of a annoying thing to deal with. Yes. Well, that's that's my excuse for the AC. It's my dog, as we've talked about, he's a fizzy gig. He looks like a fizzy gig. He is as furry as a fizzy gig. And he gets hot, so I have to have an AC on. And then for my poor computer's sake, I have to actually run an AC because I, that gets too hot and humid. And I can't run on my, I can't write or I can't draw. That's the end of the world for me. So, <laughs> and I've been working on some fun fantasy maps for other authors and some really cool book covers. And I don't want my computer to die on me, which means I probably so, shouldn't touch it. <laughs> it's that famous question of what would you bring to a desert island? It's just like my computer so I can make covers. <laughs> <laughs> At the very least, pen and paper, like a giant sketchbook, because you can use that for writing or drawing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So how have things been for you? Um, good, I guess. Uh, I got my first vaccine shot last That's Friday. Right. Um, and I was sort of really crossing my fingers that I wouldn't get sick from it like some mm -hmm. people have been. Um, but I was actually okay. You know, Friday, um, Saturday, I was fine. My mm -hmm. arm was sore like it is for a lot of people. So oh, that was yeah. fine. But then Sunday... Monday and also part of today, mm -hmm. I've just been so drained of energy and extremely tired. Yeah, I had so that too. It's been, uh, it's been a struggle for me as well. So I haven't got any writing done yesterday, none done today either. I just haven't had the energy. So I'm sort of fingers crossed that maybe I'll get <laughs> some writing done tomorrow. But honestly, I feel like right now it's, it's sort of up in the air whether or not uh, I don't know. I think it depends on how I feel tomorrow. I can understand. Uh, but, uh, you said I went yeah. through the same thing. So if it suddenly goes quiet on the podcast and you only hear me talking, you've gone to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah. You can sort yeah. of clap your hands on the podcast <laughs> and then that might wake me up. So. All right. We'll have to, uh, I will keep that in mind if I see the screen go dark and you're kind of off to the side. <laughs> <laughs> or if you hear a bump into the microphone then it's just my forehead <laughs> like, wake up all right yeah that's fair enough oh but i did i it, it took me a while to really put two and two together because we'd been traveling and a few other things but i i had that for like two weeks so i hope it doesn't last that long for you but i even started drinking iced coffees and stuff and i'm not a coffee drinker it's i'm like tea all the way but I yeah. needed something because it felt like my whole life had gotten derailed and I'm usually high energy. I mean, I'm actually low energy compared to my mom. You should meet her. She's like a tornado. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> <laughs> I just, 
I was fading, but right after lunch and it's, and you're right. It's a, it's a tiredness where your brain is just like, you want me to put two words together? No, yeah, not going to no, happen. Indeed. So I just, emphasize. Yeah. Well, it, it's feeling slightly better today compared to yesterday evening. Even so I hope fingers crossed by tomorrow that Good. I'll be somewhat okay again. Uh, I, I'm not feeling bad or anything. I'm just tired. Yeah. Uh, so well, now the big at least question. I didn't get sick. That's good. That is good. But the big question is they're now saying mixing your vaccinations, uh, your your types is a good thing. So are you going to get the same thing again? Or are you going to go get something different for your second shot? It's the same one that I'm going to get oh, for a second shot. And, that's what um, I did. And the nurse did say when I got this first shot, she said that mostly people have more after effects of the second one than the first one. So... Uh, I'm expecting that it might be worse, but let's see. It only lasted. I didn't get even. I felt a little rundown for maybe 12 hours, and then it was like, oh, I'm fine. I didn't have the same tiredness. So hopefully you'll feel oh, okay. the same way. Oh. Yeah. We'll see. A week on the internet with the Am Writing Fantasy Podcast. The Verge reported uh, on some interesting information that I thought. It would be very good to share with people here on the podcast uh, because it's yeah. highly relevant for us authors. Yes. So um, we talked a bit about this as well before the recording. So you're already in the loop here. Uh, I, Ellen, but <laughs> we've, just, we've already strategized and discussed it because it does change how you run one of the most important things that you will have as an author if you're running a business. Yeah, that was a, quite a, an efficient tease there, Autumn. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Once you think you do, that you had recorded over 100 podcast episodes by now. And most of them by the seat of my pants. <laughs> okay, go figure. <laughs> Don't say that. Just keep that to yourself. Okay, sorry. That was I a rookie al- mistake. I am always prepared. <laughs> yes, Exactly. Well, I don't know if I said that you needed to lie, but you could just leave <laughs> out information. That's not the same as lying. Now you were outright lying. <laughs> That's not true. I feel like I'm always prepared because I know it so well, I don't need to do my homework. Yeah, okay. Now you're just paddling <laughs> instead. Really much. Anyway, let's get back to the topic. Anyway, <laughs> we wanted to talk about uh, an article in The Verge um, that uh, they had they reported from uh, one of Apple Apple usually make announcements on its worldwide developer conference and uh, one of the announcements that they made on the worldwide developer conference was concerning email marketing. And obviously for us authors, email lists and being in touch with readers through email and so on is really, really important. So that of course made me pay attention. <laughs> yes. um, it's one of the cornerstones for us authors. Um and it's not only, of course, some email list is not only for building an audience, but also maintaining it. So mm-hmm. what Apple announced was that uh, what they call mail privacy protection. Mm. Um, and what this means is that it's basically a way in which Apple will limit the amount of data that people who send your, you emails can collect about you. So all in all, uh, I'm very supportive of that. I, I like the privacy protections in general, and I, I don't like when all the um, 
big corporations and whatnot uh, collect information from uh, what you're doing on the internet and so on. Uh, but that also applies to us authors, of course, because mm-hmm. when we're sending out emails, there is in the uh, email an invisible pixel that yeah. basically tracks in the sense that if the pixel gets loaded, uh, which means that then the email was opened, then the information is sent back to the email provider. So that that could be whatever email provider you use, like uh, us, we use MailerLite. Mm-hmm. It could be uh, MailChimp, ConvertKit, okay. whatever one you use, right? But all of these uh, vendors incorporate these invisible pixels to be able to tell you what your open rate is. Exactly. But when the fall comes, Apple will roll out the iOS update version 15, And within that iOS update, the mail app will basically stop uh, that invisible pixel from loading. And this also means that whenever you are sending emails to readers who are using Apple, then the tracking of the open rates will start become inaccurate uh, Mm -hmm. or basically it won't trigger the registration within the email provider. Yeah. So this also means that when you're looking at the metric called open rates, that's basically what is tracked via this uh, pixel, Mm -hmm. then you need to understand that a certain percentage of the readers that actually opens the emails is telling you when you're looking at the open rates that they did not open it. So let me just do that again in case that was a bit confusing. So when you send your emails, the open rates will get tracked. But because this blocking is in place by Apple, Mm -hmm. this means that some people will open the email, but you won't know that they opened the email. So maybe that was a better way of putting it. That makes sense. So what does does all of this mean to us authors? Well, in my view, I think we need to, first of all, of course, don't be like overly concerned and worried and now think that the world is falling apart and now <laughs> email marketing will be worth nothing and so on. And that's not the case, right? So let's, first of all, take a deep breath and uh, don't worry uh, too much. Uh, it's not like nothing will work anymore. Email marketing is still the most important cornerstone of your mm-hmm. author business in my view. Um, but there is, of course, a few things you need to be aware of. And one of the things that... Uh, Autumn and I discussed today uh, prior to this recording was that a pretty common best practice is to resend to unopens. So again, within your email provider, being MailChimp, ConvertKit, MailerLite, blah, 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 whatever it's called, they have always like an automated function where you can set up the system either automatically to resend to open ones. Uh, if I remember correctly, in ConvertKit, you have to do it manually, but they will track it and you can go in and say, I want to resend this email to op- unopens, mm-hmm. um, which is a smart thing to do. And it's it's like a best practice. And we've been doing it for a long time already. But what I would say is that since the tracking pixel doesn't register whether they opened it or not, this means that it will automatically be displayed as unopened. Mm-hmm. So if you then start resending emails, all the people on Apple devices, or at least all the people who haven't actively opt into wanting to be tracked, which I will assume will be a very, very small group of people who will actively <laughs> opt into being tracked. So that means that let's just say all of it, or like 99% of the people using Apple devices, mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. if you resend emails to unopens, you're going to send them the same email that maybe a lot of those people already read. And then they're going to get it again, which is going to annoy them a lot. <laughs> it would and, annoy me a lot. Yes. And then your unsubscribe rate is going to go up. <laughs> so, yes. Then you yes. will unsubscribe because why are these people always sending me the same email twice? That's really annoying. Yeah. And I understand it. So the thing we discussed now was that uh, come September, we will stop resending to unopens and we'll just mm-hmm. hope that people actually open the emails because we can't trust that metric anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's annoying, of course. But so is life, and uh, life moves on, and uh, <laughs> yeah, we just we'll adapt. adapt. We'll adapt. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something to keep in mind if you clean out your email list based on you know people who don't ever open your emails. You might want to you know send them an email beforehand with like a link to click or something that gets them to a survey. That's why we like MailerLite. There's so many like active things that people can do to uh, answer questions and click on things and stuff like that. So you might want to make sure you do something before you delete someone because they might have be reading every single one, but they might be reading it on an Apple come September. And at that point, you're not going to know if they're reading it or not. So keep that in mind. That's very right. That's exactly the other part of it. And what, of course, what we do is we try to run what we call re-engagement campaigns. So that means that we are sending like three, four emails to yeah. see if we can get them to re-engage before we delete them. But even then, you need to be careful because <laughs> the way that we set up re-engagement campaigns normally is that if they then open the email or, of course, also if they click something inside the email, we will remove the tag against their name for them to be deleted. Right. But again, that won't work anymore. So you can't even trust that. So you have to be, I think, very, very explicit in the emails that you send out, like telling them that you cannot tell whether or not they're reading your emails and therefore Mm -hmm. you want to make sure. So if you are doing pruning of your list, meaning deleting stuff, people that who are inactive, which I think it's a good practice to do. And I also know a lot of people... Uh, also influencers in in the author space who do not agree that it's a good idea to prune the list. So take it as you will. But if it's something you do, then don't base your decision on deleting people on the open rates. So that's also a problem. Yes. So a few changes, but we'll get, we'll adapt. It's not that big of a deal. We'll, we'll survive unless you're really into metrics. If you're really into metrics, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's going to be bad metrics. Yeah, indeed. So we will place a link to the article in the show notes. So if you want to check it out and if you want to read what was more said in in more details, then you can. But uh, honestly, I just told you everything. So sounds good. (laughs) And I have one thing to share, even though it's it's not really to the author community. But I know they can celebrate with me. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed, but over the weekend, Born of Water hit its 400th review. So, yay! They did. Wow. That's my debut novel. So, it is lovely to see it hit 400 it's when age counts. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Very yeah, good. Congratulations. Good. Thank you. 400 reviews. That's that's not a small amount. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a nice round number. It's a big one. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. And also a very quick reminder before we move on to the topic of the day here. As mentioned last week, we've decided to offer everyone on our email list a massive discount for either of our flagship courses. Yes. And uh, we will be mailing out a voucher code of 150 bucks 
to be used on any of our courses. I was going to say, you said two flagships. We actually decided, like, what, an hour ago, it's going to be for a choice of three courses. So yeah, why that's not? a big deal. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite a discount. Yeah, so we have the Ultimate Fantasy Writers Guide course, yes. which is the writing guide uh, or the writing course. We have the world building course, which, yeah, I guess you maybe you can guess what that's about. Yeah, well, uh, it's officially then, called Crafting Incredible Fantasy World, so... We didn't yes. call it world building. That would have been too easy. <laughs> <laughs> and we also have, then that's the third one that we yeah. added into the pot, uh, uh, the email marketing yes. course, which is very much on point about what we just talked about. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> yeah. So you can get $150 off of any of these courses, any one of them of your choice. Yeah. Uh, and we placed a link in the show notes from where you can get onto our email list so that you will also get this email once we send out the vouchers. But yes. if that's something you interest you, I will urge you to get on the email list right now as yeah. you're listening to this because... Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say for sure when we're going to send out that voucher, but it's going to come uh, in the next probably maybe three weeks or something like that. So if you forget about it uh, and don't get signed up, then you're going to miss it. So, uh, yeah, you better get going. <laughs> Sounds good. And on to today's topic. Perhaps I'll just give you the range here, Autumn, and uh, oh, maybe you can explain what we're talking about. <laughs> you're just doing that because I said I never did my homework and I do this by the seat of my pants. So you're like, okay, go, go for it. Now I'm going to test it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, well, I've already hinted about this at the beginning. So this topic is maintaining your story flow. And to me, this means sort of what I said before, that it makes the story, it's it's two parts. One, that when you have a reader reading it, it sounds like one cohesive story. It doesn't matter if it took you five years to write it, a decade, or if you're one of those insane fast writers, it took you a week. It all should still sound like it was one author written in one setting and story. It doesn't sound like it's all over the place where all these big life events happen in between. And the other thing is, as a writer sitting down to write it, that's the reader's response. But as a writer, you know, you have life, jobs, personal things, COVID, you know, all of these things that oh. happen every single day, hopefully not that often, but things that interrupt your writing and how do you maintain that story, almost enthusiasms? How do you keep that voice, that author's voice, the character's voice going so that you don't feel like you're coming back in going, I have no idea what I was writing and it doesn't make any sense. And where was I going with that? So it's kind of those two principles I think we're really covering today. If you agree. I like the, I like the idea for this podcast episode, uh, Autumn, but it's also a very broad one. We, we can it sort is. of go anywhere, anywhere with it almost. <laughs> Absolutely. I, yeah. I think I was kind of like the idea is to just help you keep that story vibe going but there's so many different ways of doing that. And is one thing yeah. that was going to work for somebody might not work for you. So eh, we're going to cover a couple of diff different things, I think. All right. So where do we start? Oh, well, to me, and I think you'll agree with this, is the best way to keep your story on track and flowing and so that you don't feel like, like lost is to have some sort of outline. doesn't have to be a whole plot, but outline <laughs> i thought you'd like that one i mean and we have those old youtube videos maybe we can find the link to them and like how to make a half an hour story outline it doesn't have to be 
something you spend days or weeks plotting, but to have a roadmap so that you know where you're at and where you're going. And that way, if you happen to be halfway or a quarter or three quarters, you can pick it up and go, oh, yes, this is where I am. And you can go back on your route again and not get lost. Yeah, I would say even better. Either go to uh, amwritingfantasy.com or go to Amazon or wherever you buy books and then (laughs) just search for our name. And then you will find a book called Plot Development. And there is a full (laughs) step-by-step guide there that we actually wrote on how to do the outline. And uh, it will help you a lot. It will help. And even if you're a pantser, even if you don't like outlining, just try it out once. And then I will fully respect if you afterwards say, yeah, it's not for me. Fine. (laughs) But I think... It's important not to have an idea in your head that outlining is not for you if you haven't tried it. And there's a lot of those people out there. I'm sorry, but there is. There's a lot of people who have prejudged that outlining is not for me. It doesn't work. That's not how I write. But Mm -hmm. they've never actually tried it. So I'd say just try it before you judge it. That's all I I would say. I agree. And having started as a pantser, and we all know that I'm the guinea pig and the spontaneous and, hey, you go do this and I go and do it without thinking (laughs) often. I don't, I've got to work on that. I can't believe I've made it this long in my life. But (laughs) I I went from pantsing to at least mildly plotting. I mean, that's why I developed first the half an hour outline. And now when we're writing together, we plot and we plot pretty heavy and the more I get into writing and the types of writing I like, I like literary fantasy and I like very involved subplots and plots. And you only get that if you are plotting because it's too hard and tangled to do as a solid pantser. If anyone can keep that going, hats off to you. But I don't know how you can do that intense of a storyline without doing some plotting. So give it a try. It's amazing what comes out the other end. And as I said, I, I tend to be... <laughs> Very much. I live life as a pantser and I'm a plotter when it comes to writing. Yeah, and I I would also go out on a limb and say that the people who say that they can do that, that's not not right. I'm sure that the pantsers can make very, very elaborate uh, plots and subplots and so on. But the thing Mm -hmm. is that the the way that they do that is that they have to go over it many, many, many times and see it in and edit it and edit more and edit more Mm -hmm. to see it in new things and and make things connect and so on. So, And that's, of course, also a way to do it. Uh, But if we're talking about maintaining a flow... Mm-hmm. then it is easier when you have an outline and you know that everything is already connecting. You know all the foreshadowing is there. You set it up so you know exactly which beats to hit in which chapters and so on. And it just makes it easier. It does. I mean, even with with even the outlining beyond the plotting, um, having a chapter outline and having a chapter flow where you know, you have a hook at the intro and you have a developing problem and a climate, you know, a resolution and that's usually tangles into the next chapter or if you're skipping points of view, you know, having those things figured out, what's the next point of view? What is the next thing? What is the next hook? What's the, how's this chapter going to end? Those having those aspects figured out really help you maintain this, just focusing on the story of focusing on the emotional plot or the character arc that helps you maintain your flow. I mean, I always liked the idea that um, Einstein had five different suits. They were all exactly the same because it would, he didn't want to have to stress his mind about what am I wearing? <laughs> he had bigger things to think of. And when it comes to your story, it's the same thing. You have bigger things to think of than, 
oh, you know, how's this next chapter going to start off? Get all that figured out so you can just enjoy writing and the process of writing. And you don't have to spend half of your writing time, especially, I mean, like I said, when I had my full-time job, I would have time to have 45 minutes a night to write or an hour and a half. And I still finished four books in a year because I had it all figured out. I knew when I came home, I could open it up, see where I was, read the last sentence and go, this is where I'm at. And I could just get to writing. I didn't have to worry about all that other stuff because it was set up ahead of time. Mm. Yeah, and indeed. And and if if uh, if you don't like outlining, uh, th- that sort of thing works for the pencil, right? I mean, yeah. y- if you know, if you think about the day before, where am I going to start the next chapter tomorrow, then that will help keeping the flow going, y- even if you don't have an outline. Absolutely. That was, that was some of my favorite tricks for myself is when I realized, like, you're down to your last five minutes of writing time, you know, the family, they're in the background going food, 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 dinner, you know, (laughs) are you ever coming out of there? Get off the computer. And you know that that's coming and you're like, okay, instead of writing and trying to finish up the scene, I would actually take a break and start making notes for myself. I would hit space a couple times, put it in bold or italics so that I knew this is, this is just notes for myself. And I'd say, this is where I'm going. This is where the scene is going. This is where the next chapter is. Just brain dump everything that's in your head because you know you're almost out of writing time and the most efficient use for it so that you'll be able to pick it up again faster next time is to leave yourself some breadcrumbs. Make sure you do that. It's a fantastic way of wrapping up your writing and then to tell them, look, I only need five more minutes. Please just give me this. No, that's that's true. And um, I was also thinking that um, one of the things that I'm very much an advocate for in terms of mm-hmm. keeping the flow and the writing going is to uh, get the writing done before anything else. Uh, meaning yeah, like if it's the first one. thing you do um, whenever you have the time, whether it's in the mornings or the evenings, that doesn't matter. But, but mm-hmm. if you do the writing before you do any of the other stuff, like maybe managing some ads or replying to emails or whatever it may be sort of admin stuff that you have if you do the writing mm-hmm. first then you're taking care of the most important thing first and that that helps a lot in terms of keeping the flow going um yeah. and you don't get sucked into oh my god it's now a week since i wrote last time because i've been doing all these other things in i mean and maybe you got a lot done but mm-hmm. it hurts your writing so um prioritizing in that sense is important Yeah, I agree. I mean, it helped before when I had the full-time job, I would often write when I got home, which was at my most creative time. It helps to know when your most creative time is. And for most people, it tends to be morning. Some people, it's after 11 11 p.m. And they're they're vampires. (laughs) I have no idea how that's your creative time. But they do exist, I've been told. I've never met one. Because I'm asleep at 11 p.m. <laughs> but, <laughs> You're not out and about at that time. <laughs> rarely, very rarely, occasionally. But uh, yeah, when I'm doing overnight drop, drives to go see my parents, um, that's about the only time you'll catch me overnight up at 1 a.m. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but yeah, it's knowing when your creative time is and trying to set that as your writing time. But if nothing else, you know, having either a set time, this is my writing time and making your family like understand that and not bother you. This is not when you're going to go Facebook and chat. You have to be good too. turn off your Wi-Fi if you have to. 
I mean, I know we often use it to go do quick research, but, you know, leave yourself a blank, you know, come back and do the research later. If you have to do it when you're editing, try to stay offline, truly focus on writing. But I agree now that I, I'd rather get up earlier again, I'm in bed early. So 5am to me is, is not that bad of a thing. And if I can get an hour of writing in, my whole day is just like glowing and set. I just love that. And it's sort of like the idea of I'm not a huge exercise fan, but if I can get a little bit of exercise in and then get to writing, oh my gosh, that day is like aced. I already feel like I've won the the championship and it's not even 7 a.m. yet. Yeah, and I I think as well the... Well, when you said turn off the internet, that uh, reminded me because... The the fact that there are no disturbances around really helps a lot. So mm-hmm. if you are currently in an environment or a place where you find yourself getting distracted all the time, then maybe you need mm-hmm. to find a different place to do your writing. Um, yeah. And some people like it when there are very many people around, like in a cafe or something, and there's noise. Some Some people like that noise level. Uh, other people prefer it extremely quiet and isolated with a locked door almost. Uh, but it's up. it doesn't matter what it is, but I think it's important that you work out what works for you and, and try to make yeah. sure you create that sort of writing environment for yourself uh, because yeah. that will also, again, keep the flow going. I agree. I mean, keeping, and it could be little things. I mean, where you write, the time of day, uh, the clutter, if you, whether or not, you know, you can have a clean writing space often really works better for people, especially if you're still like putting all your stuff in sticky notes instead of Scrivener files. And you're, who could be and doing don't that? Anything, don't say anything about my <laughs> sticky notes. I'm talking about actual sticky notes, not the one on my desktops. I love my stickies. They work very well. <laughs> anyway, oh, uh, I think we've been working together too long. <laughs> Probably. You only had to say one word and it triggered me. (laughs) You start laughing. You're like, oh, stickies, huh? I like stickies. But keeping the clutter, you want to be able to find your notes for your writing file. But I have to admit, even if I'm hitting a really bad writing patch and I just need that little, to know what you need to push yourself over the edge to get yourself in that mind space. Um, I used to, I've told you that I've told the audience before, sometimes it would be keeping a page or like, or Dara Martin, there's just like this, some of this writing that just makes me go, wow, then I want to go write because then I want to write like that. Sometimes and recently, like that chapter that I just tried to finish, I just, I had a whole bunch of notes and they weren't flowing together. I sometimes do that. I write backwards. I will just do like scenes and then I'll have little breaks in between them. And I'm like, okay, I've got to make this into a whole thing. And I finally just, um, sometimes it's putting on headphones. I just put on like a YouTube epic three hours, epic fantasy music. And it helps sometimes having that background soaring music and battle scenes. And it was just like, Oh, my brain said, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We're going to write now. And so you need to figure out what your triggers are. You know, what kind of little routine, if you do sit down with a cup of tea and listen to that music or read a paragraph, what do you need to do to make your mind go, yes, I am ready to write and we're going to keep this going. And sometimes you're just stuck and you don't quite know what is supposed to happen next in this story. And I can't quite work out the character or whatever it may be. And I think Mm -hmm. here it's very, very good to go outside, go for a walk and put it aside for a bit uh, and get go out and don't 
think about what should happen. Just mm-hmm. let inspiration come to you because it will your your mind will be working on solving the problem without you even thinking about it. That's some that's exactly why sometimes you will experience that when you're in the shower or you're out doing grocery <laughs> shopping, then all of a sudden it pops into your oh, I know what it yeah. is now. And that's because yeah. your mind is working on it. So just sometimes accept the fact that your mind needs a bit of time to work on the problem and then go for the walk, go do something else, whatever it may be. I, I do feel like fresh air is a very good thing. Uh, but the main thing, whatever you do, don't start jumping to the new shiny story idea no. that you got and leave this one behind because then the other one feels easier to go to because you're not stuck there yet. You have to finish the stuff you're working on. And I, I know that some people like to have multiple projects that they juggle and yeah. fine if that's what you like then but <laughs> at least from my point of view i will never give the advice that you should be jumping into new projects all the time because yeah. the fact that you can prove to yourself that you can finish something is massively important and even if that then means that today you're going to go for a walk and you're not going to do any more writing until tomorrow and once mm-hmm. you've slept on and allowed your mind to work on solving the problem at hand then that's fine but don't just put it aside and start writing something new because chances are you will also hit a roadblock in the new project and then what are you going to do are you going to jump to the new one again and (laughs) you see all of a sudden you have 10 unfinished manuscript uh, on your computer and because every time you get stuck you jump to something new instead you have to teach yourself how to overcome those obstacles and actually finish the work I agree. And I would say usually the best ideas come to me, not in the shower, but usually when I have like three things on the stove. That's always when you get a good idea and you're like, darn it. That's why I always keep note paper like stickies around so I can keep a quick note and uh and not forget because writing down those ideas will also help you keep going so you can add them. Like that's why I do love Scrivener. I can just say, Oh, I got this idea for a scene and I stick it you know, in the chapter where I know that needs to be. I love being able to do that. So when I get to that chapter, it's already sitting there waiting for me. But yeah, I do. And the, cork, agree. and the corkboard in Scrivener has what looks like sticky notes. Yes. So that's probably nice as well. They were thinking <laughs> of me. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I mean, I definitely agree. I always had this rule that if I had only been sitting down for 15 minutes and... I was stuck. I couldn't leave. I couldn't leave until I hit that 15 minute or 20 minute mark. I had to at least try to write and work on my story for those 15 to 20 minutes. Cause it is your brain is like, I don't want to do this. I want to go to Facebook. I don't want to do this. I want to go do something else. But if you can get into it, you'll usually push past that and keep writing. And sometimes I would need to not maybe work on exactly what I thought I was going to write on the story, but I'd have to sink into the character's head saying, okay, what is the character seeing right now? Was it raining? Is it what, you know, just kind of pull myself into the story and I might end up cutting out that stuff. Maybe there will be bits I keep because it's a really good description and really places, you know, the reader into the character's head. But I have to admit, if I've been there for 15, 20 minutes and I have put in an honest effort and I haven't been jumping off to Facebook or something, I agree. Sometimes just saying, what else can I do? I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to let this sit because sometimes that's all you can do. However, I will admit there was a time I was working on two projects in tandem and I thought it was fantastic because I would write, like I'd have a goal of four chapters in one and just half a chapter in the other one. And if I hit those glitches where it's like, oh my gosh, I cannot 
think what happens next this character is not flowing especially that story it had a politician and i've talked about that before i don't do politician (laughs) very well it was so hard to write in his voice but then i could still i could switch to the other one saying okay i'm gonna do that half chapter and jumping between them worked very well but i had written over a trilogy at this point it was not fresh out of the you know gate i had earned my little stripes and I knew I could do it. And I only stuck to both of those and I managed to continue and get it done. So it worked. So if you have a blog maybe or short stories or Vela is a good thing. And as long as they're in the same vein and you don't switch to new ideas, but you actually have two side by side, like parallel projects and one's your main project, but maybe you're going to write a quick Vela story to go with it to get some new reader interest. That can work. Sometimes that will, maybe if your brain is like mine on a squirrel on cocaine, that will work. <laughs> really well. It'll work Jesus. really well for you if you work in it's chaos. Just, uh, <laughs> speeding up and down the three uh, trees, uh, carrying sticky notes and uh, putting sticky <laughs> notes on trees that might not sign this tree. <laughs> That's right. Now you know what my brain looks like. <laughs> And also related to what we were just talking about, I think um, pro at- athletes, for example, they yeah. um, they often visualize the outcome uh, that they want. So oh. they visualize, visualize in their case, for example, what does it feel like to cross the finish line as number one or whatever, if it's a running or if it's a soccer game, which I like a lot, then uh, visualizing <laughs> how does it feel or how does the ball curve in the air when I score the goal and stuff like that, right? Yeah. Uh, but if you are, if you haven't proved to yourself that you can finish work yet and you're in that mm-hmm. rut of things where you're a bit stuck and you can't quite figure out how to move ahead and you really wanted to jump to that new project because it sounds so much more exciting right now than this um dreadful middle of the novel you are stuck in then uh, (laughs) i think try to copy a bit what these pro athletes do try to visualize in your mind what will it feel like once i have the novel done Mm -hmm. how will i feel about it and then hang on to that feeling right and try to channel that feeling into forcing yourself to actually write it because you know that by the end of it i'm gonna get to this place where i know how good it feels yeah and that's another way that you can try to trick your mind to battle that uh challenge that you're facing yeah definitely i mean that can sometimes just give you the energy to push through some of those really tough chapters to say okay you know especially with like the seven steps of story structure okay i'm stuck in the reaction phase but how cool is it going to be when i get to write that that horrible scene of um you know the dark moment that happens with flips the whole see you know whole book and you know you when you start thinking okay what's it gonna feel like to finally get to write the climax and this big wonderful thing that happens and that can keep you going as well especially when you realize what it's gonna feel like to finish it and though and when you spoke of visualization that made me think sometimes having your writing session sometimes you get so stuck and bogged down in the intricacies of each chapter that beginning and ending a writing session with an i you know a quick look over your synopsis or blurb or your two sentences that kind of are your theme for the novel step back and make sure you're still on track remember oh this is what the story is about and get yourself excited about the whole arc of it again sometimes that could help get you going as well very true 
And I have another one, and it might sound a bit weird at first, but there is uh, like logic to the madness here. I'm <laughs> uh, sure there is. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is that uh, you might actually want, if you feel like keeping the flow is a challenge for you, you might want to try out dictation. Oh. And I know the default reaction of many people is like, no, thank <laughs> you. I don't want to dictate anything. That's crazy. And fine. Yes, you might say that. Uh, we, act we did actually, by the way, have a podcast episode oh, in the past know. about dictation. So you can yeah. go and search that one out if, if you want to hear more about uh, how to go about the dictation. But my point about it is more that dictating your story will increase your writing speed significantly. And sometimes when you have things that keeps, you know, pulling you off uh, and distracting you or interrupting your flow, if you can just churn out the chapters quicker, mm -hmm. you will also just get the writing out of the way in the sense that then you're going to prevent those things from interrupting you because you already got the writing done because you can dictate a ton more faster than you can ever write. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something you might want to try out. Just see if it works for you. Go, or go back and listen to that uh, past episode we had on dictation and, and get some good tips and, and, and guidelines for, from that episode and then go and test it out and see if it works for you. Yes. And just like before, when we talked about outlining, don't say no to something you haven't tried. I agree. It's I, like I... talking to kids, isn't it? <laughs> so you can't say you don't like it until you did it, you tasted it. That's right. <laughs> no fake spitting it out just because you want to think you're right. <laughs> no, I think you have to have a little bit of a logical brain for dictation. But again, I think anyone can learn to do it and it really does help get ideas down very quickly and so it has a spot i think it's very useful and i think just to wrap up because i mentioned that story flow is also the reader's experience so how to make a book that maybe took you a year year and a half even longer to write sound like a cohesive whole i hate to say it the big tip is editing make sure you self-edit i would say do a i like content editing um before you proofread read the whole thing Get maybe an alpha reader to read the whole thing and point out the places where things are out of line and out of junk, especially if you don't know how to do it. You know, it's your first book and you really you can't see the forest for the trees. Get an alpha reader, get a mentor, find a content editor, have them look it over and they'll point out the places where things are kind of kinked off a little bit. That way the reader doesn't go okay, did we like start a different story halfway through? Is this a different <laughs> author picked up? Uh, occasionally I do find books like that, but it's usually not as bad as the author thinks, but it definitely only comes about by editing because only if you are like one of those really crazy productive authors who can sit down and write 50,000 to 80,000 words in a single week. Not a, I mean, we're both professionals and I've never hit that kind of level. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd enjoy it. And I think that's beyond my enjoyment of writing and I still want to kind of have fun playing with words so I'm never going to write quite that fast because I don't want to. So that's I mean, why you edit. That's why. Well, <laughs> I like writing. I just don't want to write a hundred thousand words in a week. That's just no fun. You'll get to spend time with your characters that way. Two months. That'd be good. That's fine. Yeah. Well, if I could, I mm. probably would. <laughs> <You're> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> But I think based on this conversation at 
least what we can conclude is that there isn't one magic bullet to resolve this situation. Uh, no. And be looking for a magic bullet, that feels like something we've said before <laughs> <laughs> about being that there isn't one. No, there doesn't no magic beans, but we're still looking, but definitely no magic bullets. No. And I think what we can also conclude is that we are all different and that's okay. And I think based on the things that we covered here, the main takeaway is probably that maybe we said something that inspired you, that you want to go and try. If you feel like maintaining that story flow is a difficult thing, then maybe try one of the things we said and maybe something sort of clicked with you. And then some of the other ones we mentioned might not, and that's fine, then you leave those alone. But I, I think we're all different, so... Yeah. You have to find your own way. Exactly. All right. So next Monday, we'll be looking at pre-sales versus pre-orders. What's the difference? And is one better than the other? If you like what you just heard, there's a few things you can do to support the Writing Fantasy Podcast. Please tell a fellow author about the show and visit us at Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review. You can also join Autumn and Jasper on Patreon.com slash AmWritingFantasy. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll get awesome rewards and keep the Writing Fantasy Podcast going. Stay safe out there and see you next Monday.